Here we are two days after that fateful day of January 6th when the Electoral College was supposed to be certified in Washington, which it was. And the insanity only grows. We have the Democrats now in a stupor, if you will, feverishly asking for impeachment articles, failing an invocation of the 25th Amendment, which clearly has already failed since Vice President Mike Pence says he has no intention of invoking it and his cooperation is absolutely required if it is to happen. So now they're going to try and put together articles of impeachment for a president that leaves office in 12 days. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. You can do so by going to either the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store and simply searching for NPO or um, National NP Online podcast, and you can subscribe to the, to the show that way. In the alternative, you can go to podbean.com uh, by downloading the free Podbean app in either the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store, and you can follow the show that way. Podbean is our hosting service. Any place you follow it, you can leave comments, you can leave reviews, and we do please ask that you do leave a review uh, because that review will help the show be found in search engines and will only help grow it. We're trying to increase the offerings of the show as we go forward. We're going to try to bring in people that are interviewed on the show. We're going to feature a call-in line, but all this takes support as we grow the show. If you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash national preview online, you will find a post there for our GoFundMe campaign to attempt to grow the show. Any donation you make would be greatly appreciated. No donation is too small. Uh, so please donate if you can and share it with friends uh, who are like-minded. Today's show is going to be a little bit different than most shows. We're not going to focus on the uh, voter fraud, which we've been beating to death, even though the mainstream media refuses to acknowledge it exists. We're going to focus on perspective. Perspective in terms of what is driving this democratic insanity, and perspective in terms of why were the actual riots that were perpetrated in the wake of the George Floyd custody death, riots in Minneapolis, riots in Portland, riots in Seattle where a police station was taken over, uh, why were those things described as peaceful protests, even though thousands, millions of dollars in property damage were, uh, were inflicted and suffered by owners of businesses? People were killed. Why were those not deemed riots? Statues being pulled down, statues of Civil War heroes like Ulysses S. Grant, an anti-slavery proponent. But now, all of a sudden, when it hits close to home in Washington, D.C., and the elite class has to be forced to vacate for a few hours while the people take over their own house, it's now a riot. And one they want to blame President Trump for. President Trump never called for any violence. In fact, President Trump has gone on the air calling for peace. So why the push for the 25th Amendment? And now failing that, why the push for the impeachment? Well, I'm going to tell you, there's three reasons. The manifest reason is they hate the man. They hate the man and they want a 
a trophy, a political casket. They want to see him paraded in defeat. They want to delegitimize his presidency, and they're armored all the more because he refuses to attend the inauguration of Joe Biden on the 20th. And I can't say that I blame him. But that's the manifest reason. Now let's get to the two other reasons that really are driving this, that people are not talking about as much. If Trump were to be impeached or removed from the 25th Amendment, it would virtually disqualify him from ever running again. And they live in mortal fear of this man, and they greatly fear that he will run again. And that is one of the main reasons why they want him removed before the 20th. And there is still yet another reason. President Trump is just that. He is the president of the United States until 12 noon on January 20th. And between now and then, he can cause a lot of damage to a lot of Democrats because President Trump is sitting on a stack of classified documents, which requires nothing more under the law than a stroke of his executive pen to declassify, and then it becomes public knowledge. There's a lot of people in those documents that don't want those things to become public knowledge, and they are in mortal fear that he is going to declassify those documents. So that explains the Democratic position. It doesn't explain why they refused to, well, you can draw the conclusion yourself. You know why they didn't want to call the peaceful protests uh, riots, because they didn't want to be attributed as being supportive riots, and they want to deny the truth. They deny reality all the time. Yesterday didn't come anywhere near that. What was the amount of damage done yesterday? Were businesses put out of business? Were buildings burned? Was a single congressional member hurt? No. So a few people got in. They sat in Nancy Pelosi's chair. Big deal. And there'll be more passion driving the prosecution of those people than there will be driving the prosecution of anyone that was guilty in the actual riots which gripped this country this summer. Hell, the people who rioted in Missouri that tried to invade that couple's home, they didn't get prosecuted. They want to prosecute the people who tried to defend their home. But that prosecutor got slapped down by a district judge or circuit judge saying they were prejudiced, they can't use it. No, I want to put this into a sharper focus. I want to compare what you're going to see about a woman named Ashley Babbitt. Now, you're not going to hear much about Ashley Babbitt, but I'm going to tell you about her. But before I do, I want to speak about someone else. The man whose death started all these riots, George Floyd. You remember George Floyd, the man who was supposedly died in custody, uh, in Minneapolis at the hands of the police, and they had that one officer that they uh, showed with his knee on his neck. Well, George Floyd was not a nice man. He may have died. It was unfortunate that he died. Uh, he was originally arrested for passing a counterfeit bill. But if you look at the full eight-minute video that was finally shown after all the people went crazy, because they were only showed a few seconds, you see that the police were very, very patient with George Floyd. They gave him every opportunity to simply cooperate, and he refused to do so. George Floyd grew up in Houston, Texas. 
Between 1997 and 2005, according to his Wikipedia file, he was convicted of eight crimes. He served four years in prison after accepting a plea bargain for a 2007 aggravated robbery in a home invasion. In 2014, he moved to the Minneapolis area, residing in the near suburb of St. Louis Park. In 2020, he lost his security job during the COVID-19 pandemic, and we knew that subsequently he lost his life. Let's talk a little more about this sterling citizen's life. As I said, between 97 and 2005, Floyd served eight prison terms on various charges, including armed robbery, drug possession, theft, and trespass. In 97, at the age of 23, he was arrested when the police caught him delivering a gram of cocaine to another person. But here's the real tidbit. I want to get to this one. Um, Where is it here? We're going to find it. But in 2009, he was sentenced to five years in prison for armed robbery in a home invasion. Was paroled in January of 2013. Now, during this home invasion, he held a gun to the belly of a pregnant woman. A real nice fellow, this George Floyd. But having said all of that, I agree that it's tragic that the man died. But there's a little problem when it comes to prosecuting people who have died in police custody. You can have videotape, but unless the videotape shows something like, you know, a knife going into somebody's chest or a bullet going into somebody's brain and, fo- and fired by somebody, you have to have a certain thing called causation. It's not enough that someone is dead. You have to show that the actions of a particular person was responsible for that death. And now, the autopsy, we have learned, months back, we covered it on this show, shows that there was no damage to Mr. Floyd's neck and that the actions of Officer Chauvin are not relevant to his death. George Floyd had every bit of drug you could imagine on board. He had a a drug cocktail, fentanyl, and amongst, uh, amongst other things that he had going on, as his toxicology shows. So the, the manner of death of George Floyd is, is custody death. It's a homicide because it involved actions of police, uh, but not all homicides are unjustified. If police use force that they're justified to use under the law, and in Floyd's case, they didn't use very much, and a person dies as a result, Homicide simply means that actions of other people facilitated or contributed to the death doesn't infer criminal liability. And that's what you have with George Floyd. And half this country was gripped in riots, cities ripped apart, the media fawning over this man like he was some altar boy. And then, of course, you had Black Lives Matter and Antifa stirring up the masses. There were all manners of riots for all the world to see over the course of the spring and the summer, all promulgated by supposedly outrage over George Floyd's death. In other words, all promulgated over the outrage of a man who was not really a very nice man to begin with. But again, the events didn't justify his death, but if you look at the eight-minute video, you'll see that the police officers did everything they could to avoid causing his death. They were extremely patient with him, and as I said before, George Floyd had more drugs on board than your average neighborhood pharmacy. He was an accident waiting to happen. Property damage, 
police stations in Seattle taken over, entire segments of downtown Seattle taken over where lawful authority was run out and the place was run by a, a de facto government of, of leftists and, and um, aberrant social misfits. Yet all of this, described by the media and by the politicians as peaceful protests. Statues toppled over. Christopher Columbus dumped in the drink. Ulysses S. Grant tumbled over. Places burned. Fifth Avenue here in New York City left to shambles. All except Gucci's, because Gucci is in the Trump building, and the Trump building is protected by the Secret Service because it's a residence of the president. Otherwise, Gucci had no special immunity. But every store laid waste because you had people that would do nothing about these peaceful protests. Just let them go on in quote-unquote peace, meaning let the pillaging and plundering go on, keep the people satisfied. All this because of George Floyd. And to this day, months later, George Floyd's name is in the uppermost parts of the memory of the media and of these radicals. But what about Ashley Babbitt? Name doesn't ring a bell to you? I'll tell you why. Because Ashley Babbitt isn't a thug, or wasn't a thug. She's no longer with us. Ashley Babbitt didn't commit crimes for a living. Ashley Babbitt was an Air Force veteran of 12 years. But why would anybody care about Ashley Babbitt? Who is Ashley Babbitt? Ashley Babbitt was the woman who was shot to death during the rally which the media now says was a riot at the Capitol. Ashley Babbitt was the man shot by a Capitol plainclothes police officer, clearly seen, shot as she was trying to get into the Capitol. Look, I understand you're not supposed to trespass in the Capitol, but I also know something about the use of force, and I also know something about the law. There are certain crimes here in New York State, for instance, that you can shoot someone for. There are other crimes you can't. In New York State, and their laws on justification of deadly force, I think, are, are pretty, uh, pretty good. I don't think anybody could say they're extremely liberal, allowing people to shoot for any reason. They're pretty well considered. New York State law recognizes two stages of a crime at which you can shoot. The prevent-terminate stage, meaning... You can shoot using deadly physical force to prevent and or terminate a crime of a certain nature. And then the arrest stage means there are certain crimes that you can shoot to arrest a person for if there's no other way to stop them than bring them to justice. And look at the list of crimes that fall into this. The New York City Police Department, in which I have many friends, had two very clever acronyms that they used to teach in the police academy to help recruits remember these things in the event they ever had to use them. But as is the case with most police departments, the New York City Police Department was largely governed uh, by one overarching principle. Use deadly physical force basically only when yourself or the life of another person's is in imminent danger. The prevent-terminate stage was articulated by Dr. Barks. Dr. Barks means D, deadly physical force being used against yourself or a third party. R, robbery. B, burglary in the first degree. 
A, arson in the first degree. R, rape in the first degree. K, kidnapping in the first degree. S, sodomy in the first degree. That was the prevent terminate. Then you had the arrest stage, which was Mr. and Mrs. Murder in the first degree, robbery, uh, manslaughter in the first degree, rape, sodomy. But it's clear that on the 6th, we weren't talking about arresting people. We were talking about preventing terminating, preventing people from getting into the Capitol. Did you see trespass anywhere on the list I just gave you? Did you hear me mention trespass? No. Because trespass, and even breaching the Capitol to sit in idiot Nancy Pelosi's chair, may be unseemly, it may be something we don't like, but it certainly isn't something that justifies the use of deadly physical force. Now, there's another facet to using deadly physical force. When you do use it, the police department used to caution you to make sure that you would minimize the risk to innocent bystanders by using it. Meaning, even if you had a shot at the person, and the shot was not that demanding, wasn't very far, whatever, if that person was surrounded by innocent bystanders in the background who could be struck and killed by an errant bullet that didn't hit its intended target, you should probably refrain from shooting. If you look at that video, as soon as Ashley Babbitt falls from the shot, you can see that she is surrounded by other people, and at least five of those other people were other police officers with riot helmets and bulletproof vests. So this idiot fired at a woman who was unarmed and not committing an offense that justified the use of deadly physical force being visited upon her, while there were innocent bystanders to wit police officers flanking her and standing behind her. Police officers that he could have easily struck or killed had he missed his intended target. Now, I'm not one to prejudge the police, but looking at this situation, this is beneath contempt. Democrats calling this a riot is beneath contempt. In the aftermath, dozens of people have come forward, people who were doctors, people who were lawyers, who were saying they were there saying that when they left the speech that Trump made and began to walk over to the Capitol, that there were people already there at the Capitol in black clothing and olive drab, Antifa and BLM people. They're the ones that outflanked the Capitol Police. They're the ones that broke into the Capitol building and then encouraged the Trump people to go in there. They helped to facilitate this, to portray the Trump people in a bad light and make them the evildoers. You can't really find any violence that the Trump people did. Almost all of it was done by the Black Lives Matter Antifa crowd. They've been shadowing these protests uh, in the past. There were people on videotape that they've confirmed were at other pro-Trump rallies in an attempt to pass themselves off as Trump protesters to give the Trump people a bad name. But let's face fact. Even if you want to accept, for the sake of argument, that it was the Trump people who were responsible for all of this. That there were no Black Lives Matter or no Antifa people there. All you saw was a large crowd. You saw some damage to the Capitol building. You didn't see any congressmen being attacked. 
You didn't see any senators being attacked. You didn't see anything on the order of what you saw at these quote-unquote peaceful protests in the wake of George Floyd's death that you saw, the burning, the looting, the murdering, the pulling people out of cars, the wanton violence. You didn't see any of that. And yet all these people, including Chuck the Schmuck Schumer, trying to make this out to be something that it wasn't, even going so far as to call January 6th a day that will live in infamy like Pearl Harbor. Could you even imagine an American politician saying something like that? All these people couldn't bring themselves to mouth the words riots when it came to describing the George Floyd protest riots. Not a one. Joe Biden couldn't bring himself to it. In fact, Joe Biden's campaign was bailing out Black Lives Matter people that were arrested as a function of these riots. In fact, these leftist governors and mayors in Seattle and Washington and other places refused offers from the president to send in the National Guard and put an end to all of this. No, they preferred just to let thugs take over their city and, oh, I think it's a great exercise in democracy, I think was the words of the liberal piece of garbage mayor in Seattle. And ditto for the same one in Portland. But this is what you have. Meanwhile, Ashley Babbitt served 12 years for her country. 12 years as an Air National Guardsman. These are her service records from the Air Force Personnel Center. 12 years in different parts of the Air Force. Active duty from April 2004 to April 2008. She was a reservist from October 2008 to July of 2010. The Air National Guard says she was a guardsman from July 2010 to July 2016. She was a a well-loved woman. She was 35. She was in the prime of her life. She never committed a crime. She never did any harm to another person. There have been no protests in the intervening days to protest her death. There is no movement to protest her death. There is no organization being formed called White Lives Matter to protest her death. Ashley Babbitt served her country for 12 years. George Floyd did little more than a disservice to his country. He died in police custody because he wouldn't cooperate with an arrest and because he was loaded with drugs. Ashley Babbitt served her country for 12 years. And on January 6th, the government she had sworn to serve and protect took her life from her. Two months from today, nobody will remember who Ashley Babbitt was. But everybody will remember George Floyd. And there's something very disconcerting about that prospect. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury. Thank you.